Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 19 verse 37, the Bible says, As they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Listen to that verse 40 in a, in a, in a more familiar passage for some. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Don't Let the Rocks. Do your job. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I ask you now to anoint my mouth and my mind. Let me say things that would honor you, God. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in the inner person today, God. Change us. Teach us what you would have us to know from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't let the rocks do your job. Now, some of you have been in church long enough to remember good music. This stuff they've been churning out over the last few years, you keep it if you want it. It's, it's not really my flavor, but, but every now and then, great songs come along. How, how many of y'all remember that song? Ain't no rock going to cry in my place. Y'all need to listen to better music. You YouTube that later. Don't look at it now. Faith comes by hearing. Listen to the word of the Lord. But the text passage I just read from, is St. Luke's account of what we call the Palm Sunday account. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter, and that's today. Palm Sunday in formal churches, in high liturgy churches, Catholic churches, Presbyterian churches, Lutheran churches, Anglican churches, churches like that, um, they, they, they put a big emphasis on certain days, and I'm cool with that. I love it. I, I, I do a lot of study on these days myself, but today, Palm Sunday which is the text we read as Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem uh, for his final week, begins what is called in high liturgy churches, Holy Week. And today, around the world is the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week, in, in church speak, is the last week of the Lord's life on his earthly ministry here on earth. And a couple of big days that we, we look at, on Holy Week, Palm Sunday today. Jesus has been flying under the radar for a little over three years doing public ministry, telling people to keep it quiet. He finally takes all the blinders off, lets everybody know that he is uh, Hosanna. Hosanna is his name. Bless the Lord. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Come now, God. He is God come into flesh, and he comes into Jerusalem triumphantly being praised out loud. It's a very shift of direction for what had been going on. And then on Monday, 
which uh, the world will celebrate Holy Monday tomorrow. Uh, one of the major events that happened on Holy Monday was the second cleansing of the temple. And then on Teaching Tuesday or Holy Tuesday, uh, Jesus taught a couple of really big teachings, uh, the great commandment and the widow's might, stories you ought to familiarize yourself with. Holy Wednesday is called around the world Silent Wednesday. Not a lot said, if anything, in the Bible about what happened on the Wednesday of that week, but we can be sure a lot happened. Amen? John said if everything Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them. So just because we don't know the events, uh, what, what am I telling you? He wasn't asleep till 5 in the afternoon and then just laid around on the couch all day long. Some of y'all are like, that sounds like a good Wednesday. <laughs> hmm. Then Thursday, high churches call that Monday Thursday, Monday from the Latin uh, mandatum, our word mandate, the mandate Jesus gave uh, of how we should serve others, and he gave the example of washing feet, and the world all around calls foot washing uh, Monday, uh, which is just a play on a Latin word um, for the teaching that Jesus gave. I've had people say, Pastor Scott, why don't we do foot washing at Abundant Life? Two reasons, one biblical and one personal. I'll give you the personal one first and then the biblical one second. I don't want to look at your feet. How about that? Uh, matter of fact, um, when we first started Abundant Life, we were in Clay Hill section of Middleburg. And we had this one woman on our praise and worship team. She was leading our praise and worship. And this... this if, if, if I'm lying, I'm flying. This woman wouldn't wear shoes on stage. And her toes went like this. Bad, listen. Hey, bad feet, folk. Socks. Socks with slides. It's closed-toed shoes. Are you right, Jimmy? If you got good feet, do what you got to do. She had bad feet. And it was distracting me. And I finally said, you know what? We're going to have to go with shoes on stage. I didn't want to tell her because that yellow toenail, her, her top toenail was about this thick. And she's like, I refuse. Well, we got to do some Bible teaching right now. You refuse. What, what does the scripture say? Uh, she said, Altar I sing on is holy ground. And I take my feet off on holy ground. At my feet, thank you. I wish she would have took her feet off. She'd have looked better. <laughs> and I said, well, let me ask you this. Is the ground that the Lord built, that you built your house on, is that holy ground? Has the Lord sanctified that? Then she stuck me. She said, I don't wear shoes at my house either. I said, well, let me tell you something. The Holy Lord that made it all holy told you to obey those that had to rule over you and do what they say. It's good for your soul. And don't be a pain in my. No, it says, uh, make it a joy to them. So anyway, she quit. And we instituted a rule that you had to wear shoes on the stage. Why? Because feet. Maybe not yours. 
Nasty. Nasty. So that, that's why no foot washing. That's, that, that's my personal reason. The, the, the real reason, because that's not biblical. It is not the biblical principle that you come in here right now with your nice shoes on and take your dress shoes or your tennis shoes or your slides off and let us wash your feet. They didn't do that. Jesus didn't wash their feet just for humility, although it was a humbling act. He washed their feet, hear me good, because they needed it. Foot washing is not a, uh, the, the, way, the way it's done in churches today, that, that's just a memorial. That's, that's not a necessity. People's feet were dirty, and it was customary when you came into somebody's house that you got your feet clean. They were supposed to wash. They're walking on dirty roads all the time, bathing about once every three weeks. So they needed it. You hopefully don't need your feet washed today. If you do, see Mr. Rick Douglas after service. <laughs> we do foot washing at Abundant Life. What is modern-day foot washing? Well, it is us helping meet your needs. You really want to do some foot washing for somebody? Listen, don't ask them to take their shoes off and let you fondle their feet. You ought to go to jail for that. Go to their house and pull the weeds out of their flower bed. That's modern-day foot washing. Go to their house and rake the leaves up out of their yard. That is you serving them in something that they need help with. Take a bucket and some water and wash the pollen off their car. That's real foot washing, okay? But... Monday, Thursday, people will be celebrating foot washing. Church will be having foot washing all over the world this week, celebrating Holy Thursday. And then what, what do we call Friday? Good Friday. Good Friday is the Friday of Holy Week where everyone will be thinking about uh, the, the Friday that Jesus went to the cross. And it always used to make me scratch my head when I first came to Christ, uh, when I first got born again thinking, how is this good? How, why do we call this Good Friday? Jesus was separated from the Father. The whole world went dark as he cried out, why have you forsaken me? And, uh, but it was, it, was, it was bad for him and good for us, and that's the kind of God we serve. He always takes less so we can have the best. And I want you to celebrate Good Friday this year. Uh, and then there was sat, there's Holy Saturday, which is the last day of the Lent season, which many churches have been in. Uh, over the last 30 plus days and then Sunday is Easter Sunday which is resurrection we come back next Sunday we're going to talk about that but let's look back in our text in verse 37 as we start this holy week as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem verse 37 says as they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along comma now remember when you're reading Anything, especially scripture, you want to pay attention to the punctuation. It'll perfect your understanding. When they walk down from the Mount of Olives, you can, th you can take a look at where that is. The point is, they were moving. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, comma. That, that phrase, the, the, the main point is, how many of his followers? Oh, if God's people could ever get on one page. If God's people could ever get on one page. I've been hearing people say for 40 years of preaching this gospel 
that they want to see Pentecost again. And there's a couple of things I always tell them about Pentecost. You ain't ready to pay the cost for Pentecost. And the church is not walking in enough unity to see Pentecost power. We see glimpses of it. We, we're like the hymn writer said, uh, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. If you ever want to see God really rain down, uh, the church is going to have to get in unity. If we ever could get a my people, if we ever could get a uh, mi familia, uh, I, I love his, when, when I see Hispanic people run across an airport to hug strangers. Y'all go in enough airports, you're going to see that. And Because and, I've been with Hispanic people traveling, and they're like, Pastor, un momento. Ah, hey, papi, uh, come on And I'm like, did you know those people? It's my people. But y'all cousins? It's familiar. They're from my island. I'm like, you can look at them and tell? Yeah, my, my, my people. And that, that my people thing. It's just like walking through a place. I am going to do a podcast on it one day, and it's going to go viral. <laughs> I am going to do a podcast, and, and it's going to go viral. I'm going to need you with me, Keon. I'm going to take you out of Keon. We're going to walk through an airport, and, and, and it's, going to go, it's going to go just like this. I'm going to have him walk behind me. We're going to have somebody off the side filming. But he's going to walk behind me so we get the response. Now, here it is. I've done this hundreds of times in airports and restaurants. Uh, walk, somebody walking toward me. I get him this way so you can see the, so you can see the face action. Some, somebody walking toward me. Uh, come, come on, Jimmy. Elder Jimmy, do this. A act like you're a black man. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Pretend this bald-headed man is African-American, okay? All right, now, just, just, just walk past me. Don't make, any, don't make any facial expression. I'll be like, I had to give him a head nod. He didn't give me no head nod. All right, now, now go ahead and sit back down. Thank you. I'll put y'all's hands together for bald people. I tell my kids, I said, watch this, watch this, watch this. I, I, I see somebody walking toward me. Uh, if... You can't do this with white people because white people don't care. They're, 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 they're busy in their own problems. But I see I see African-American man walking toward me. I look at him in his face. I give him a head nod. Guess what I get? Nothing. Well, I wish Deacon West was here today. Me and him played this game in the airport in Houston one time. We just kept doing it. And it went 100. I got no head nod back. He's two steps behind me. He gives the head nod. Guess what he got? Got a head nod back. We need to put that on documentary and just find out what's really going on with head nods. What, what is going on is minorities in America, because of years of oppression, isolation, racism, because of years of segregation and separatism, uh, found a way to develop a my people mindset. And there is a, a, a familiarity where people say, that's my brother, uh, and, and they come together. Listen to who doesn't do that by and large, the church. You hear someone talking about what we're going to do for our people, one thing you can know, that's not a white person's speech um, because they're just trying to keep their rent paid, but when you hear someone say what we're going to do for our people, that's a minority mindset because minorities have to uh, have figured out that gathering together, rallying together, coming together as one, pulling together uh, makes you stronger 
as a group. Look who hasn't figured that out in over 2,000 years, the church. What if every Christian in America today decided my people are not going to be based on melanin? My people are not going to be based on geography. My people are not going to be based on race. My people are going to be based on anyone who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible says we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So red, yellow, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, doing good, doing bad. If your father is God and my father is God, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we ever get that in our mind and we start seeing our people as the people of God, we could change the whole world. That's why there was so much power in the early church. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see uh, some phrases consistently. They were all together. They were one heart, one mind. They, they were on one accord. This is powerful, studied out later. All his followers began to do something together. When anytime you get a group of people doing something together for the Lord, God is pleased with that because he likes to see his children working together. And they began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Now, I hope that you are seeing miracles. I talk to so many people that don't believe in miracles anymore, and I'm thinking, if you could just open your eyes, if you would just begin to see God at work in everything. Listen, some of y'all still don't call this a miracle because you haven't been through enough bad stuff in your life. If you made it to work... Uh, to church today and you didn't get pulled over by a cop and harassed and thrown in the back of his car it might be a miracle if you didn't get in a wreck on blanding or 103rd that might be a miracle hey for some people if your car cranked today if your brakes stopped you before you hit the person in front of you if you thought to look away from your phone while you were texting and driving right before you slammed into the car, in front, there's miracles happening every day. If you can't find one, if you're truly saved, you ought to at least be able to go back and look at when God saved you. Because if God didn't, if God didn't have to save anybody, it was sure he didn't have to save me. Anybody believe with me today God's still doing miracles? You got to when you begin to see miracles in what God is doing, you're going to get a special praise anointing on your life. You're going to begin to click higher in the spirit realm. In verse 38, they were saying, bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Then here comes church folk in verse 39. Oh, I love the specificity of God's word. It's so specific and it's so right now, fresh revelation. It's always relevant written 2,000 years ago, still speaking the way people act today. You get a bunch of people praising God, you get somebody excited, here comes church people. Yeah. I just don't believe it takes all that. All that jumping and shouting and clapping and hollering. Who are they trying to impress? I don't even know if that's real. I don't, they don't live like that. I know them. Just get you a tattoo on your face that says, I'm a religious church person and I hate everything. <laughs> or stop acting like that. I go with the latter. Some of the Pharisees among the crowd, listen, they're always there. 
They are always there. If we just all sold out to God today, if everybody in the room got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, if we just all decided we were going to love God and love people more than we ever have, there'd be a few in the crowd. They're just among the crowd. They're not, they're not the crowd. They're just among the crowd. You know, the Bible says that false brethren have snuck in unaware to spy out our liberty, to sow bad seed in a good field. I'm looking for you. They're scanning. They're always there. They're here. But when people get excited for God, somebody, some false brethren, some religious Pharisee is going to say, I believe you should make those people be quiet. It's just not dignified. It's not sophisticated, and I just don't believe it takes all that. They said, look here, Lord, tell them people to calm it down. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. They were giving him too much credit. They were giving him too much praise. And let me tell you something. You get in a room full of praising folk, and you're not praising, you're going to feel awkward. You're going to start looking around. You're going to start wondering, are, are they for real? Is it them or is it you? Let me tell you, it's you. They said, they told him, now, now get this. These people in the midst of a crowd worshiping Jesus as God, praising him for who he is. These people dare to command. Could you imagine while somebody's just clapping for the guest, the, uh, the guest of honor just celebrating, screaming, some yahoo in the crowd dares to tell the Lord what he should do? Church folk are crazy, I'm telling you. They said, tell them, stop saying stuff like that. And then in verse 40, Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Now, here's the thing about the Bible. I believe the Bible should be taken as a literal book. I believe you should believe it, it says what it means. What it literally says, that's what it literally means. Except in cases where you cannot take it literally. Because some of it is analogies, metaphors, tripes, uh, tropes, similes. Um, so, some of it is trying to make an example, parables. But mostly you should look at it and take it literally. Now, here's something different. If I was looking at that under a understand it was what it was said, to whom it was said, understand how it was written, to whom it was written, basic hermeneutical principles of biblical interpretation. If I was looking at it as literal versus metaphorical, I would think initially, well, that's just a metaphor because the stones couldn't necessarily burst into cheers. But the more I've studied that in the original language, the more I've read the context surrounding it, I don't believe that this is metaphoric language. I don't believe this, this is an analogy. I believe that Jesus literally meant, if nobody gives me praise right now, these rocks are going to start praising me because I made all the rocks there are in the world. And I want to tell you something. I don't think this is a metaphor. I believe that the trees still clap their hands to the Lord, and the rocks are ready to praise God if nobody else will. And that's why I'm telling you, don't let the rocks do your job. I, I love that song I told you earlier. Uh, it says, ain't no rock going to cry in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'm glorify his holy name. And we need to live a life of praise. Say praise. I want you to say it because some of you won't do it. Most people uh, would only know that there's a praise and worship service going on at church because it says on the bulletin, praise and worship. But 
when you come to church, do you do any praise? Do you do any worship? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning because one of the things I want you to see before we get into talking about praise this morning is that in this passage, as Jesus is making his entry, they call it his triumphant entry because he allows them to bless him, he did something different than he had done throughout his entire ministry. He let them praise him openly. For his entire ministry, he told them, shh. Every time he did something, somebody got excited about it, and they wanted to shout and go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, he told them, shh. Keep that on the low, because he knew he was going to get swarmed. He knew that they were going to overrun him, and he wasn't going to be able to move freely from town to town and preach the message of his father. But here he flips the script. He had spent years downplaying all of his big deeds, telling people to hush. Think about what he told the leper in Matthew chapter 8. Listen to the word in verse 2. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, if somebody got cured of an incurable disease, do you think they're going to tell anybody? Oh, they want to go tell everybody. They want to testify. They want to sh- scream and shout. Jesus said, Shh, don't tell anybody. Just go your way. Give the offering that Moses commanded. Let that be your testimony. It was uncommon. This is how he was going for over three years in public ministry. When he raised a little girl from the dead in Mark 5, 42, the Bible says, Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. He raised a child from the dead. You think the family was excited? You think the little girl was excited? They want to go tell everyone. You know, the little girl, she wakes up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got to tell Becky. (laughs) So, and then Jesus says, shh. He strictly commanded them, don't say a word. Don't tell anyone. It's not time for that. Just get her something to eat. Y'all keep this on the hush. Jesus is healing people. The blind man, Mark 8. 25, put his hands on him, made him look up. He was restored, saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to the house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. This man's blind and now he can see. He's walking around wanting to tell everybody. But Jesus said, shh, don't. don't." See, there was a time where Jesus was flying under the radar. And I want you to understand, Palm Sunday ended for all history that time. Every time they started to get too loud celebrating him, he would sneak away. Every time they started wanting to tell how great he was, he would just go somewhere else and tell them, no, don't tell everybody that. It's not the time for that. But Palm Sunday stopped the Lord's history of telling people to be quiet about what he's done. If you don't hear anything, if you don't get anything from this message, get this. It's Palm Sunday. Stop being quiet about how great God is. It's Palm Sunday. Stop staying. He's never told us to keep it hushed. 
That was then. This is now. You need to get a lifestyle of declaring the good works of the Lord in the land of the living. You need to have a lifestyle. You need to get a thank you, Jesus mindset. You need to have Jesus on your brain. Early in the morning, at the midday, and late in the evening hour, you ought to have the goodness of God on your, on your brain. You ought to be like the psalmist. You ought to be like Byron Cage and everybody else who ever sang that song. You ought to bless the Lord at all times. I wish I had five people that, that wanted to be all that God wanted them to be. The time for being quiet about what God has done is over. Here's the thing. If I was preaching my Palm Sunday message, I'd let you know that they did the right thing on the outside of Jerusalem when, when they began to celebrate him because the Lord was showing up in all power. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you want God to show up in your life in all power, you need to open up your mouth and give him praise. You need to start thanking him. You need to start shouting. You need to start clapping your hands. You need to become a praising person. Oh, man, we used to sing songs, praise is what I do. Listen, praise ought to be all that you do. Praise ought to be who you are. It ought to start your day, be your day, and end your day. If you could just learn how to position, condition, discipline yourself to before your feet hit the ground in the morning, open your mouth out loud so your ears can hear you say, Thank you, God. I love you, Jesus. Start your day. Let it be the last word out of your mouth and say it out loud so the whole world can hear it. I love you, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you for loving me. We have got to transition from the old school to how God wants us to live now. He's not telling you to shh if God ever did anything good in your life. If God ever showed you anything, if he ever showed you that he loves you, if you believe he listens to you when you pray, you ought to have a mouthful of praise for God. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's a comma. That's cause for pause. So here's what he's saying. By Jesus, we should offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now, a thinking person ought to think, well, what is this sacrifice of praise that God wants us to offer to him? See, people always ask, what do you get somebody who wants everything? Same thing you get somebody, uh, what do you get to somebody who has everything, hard to shop for? You give them the same thing you should give to somebody who has nothing. You should give them what they want. You want to give a good gift to somebody? Don't give them what you think they should have. Give them what they want. You want to give a gift to God? Don't give God what you think he should have. Give him what he wants. And what he wants is the fruit of your lips giving thanks to his name. Oh, man, we, we, we got to find her. We, we, we got to get Mother Jenkins in the church. We got to get Mother Jenkins or somebody like Mother Jenkins in the church. We had Mother Jenkins in the church. Uh, when, when, I, when I first started going to Word of Faith Church on Seaboard, which is now Potter's House, uh, there, there, there was a Mother Jenkins, and I just called her, uh, thank you, Jesus. Didn't matter. Rain outside, place packed, nobody in the room. Uh, we were in a little shotgun building. Air conditioning was always bad. We hotter in there than it is in here right now, and that's rough. And... Sh she would just from the time, 
the whole the whole time. Thank you, thank you, ah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you. And people thought Mother Jenkins was crazy. Let me tell you something, Mother Jesus, uh, Mother Jenkins wasn't crazy. Mother Jenkins was in love with Jesus and wanted to make sure no rock cried in her place. She was going to get her praise out. And that wasn't just her in church. You run, you run into Mother Jenkins at a Walmart. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just unashamed. Why? Because what was coming out of her lips was praise to God. And I just wonder when the last time you opened your mouth and said, thank you, Jesus. It's not enough. If you think you've thanked him enough, you've missed your guest by a long shot. Oh, he's been better to us than we deserve. And we need to give him what he has asked for, the gift of praise. And what is that praise? It's our lips thanking his name. In Psalm 50, verse 23, the psalmist said, Whosoever offers praise glorifies me. And talking about God, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then I love these last four words in the old King's English. Praise ye the Lord. That's in your face, church. That's right at you. You praise him. See, because here's what everybody else wants. Sing us happy, choir. Preach us happy preacher no you ought to come dead set on ready to get your praise on listen we need to exalt God in this place it's time we start taking our praise to a higher level I want everybody to start coming when you start coming on Sunday morning I want you if you ever shout if you got a shout I want you to start bringing it let everybody look at you like you're crazy if you know how to lift your hands to the Lord you lift them let everybody look at you like you're crazy if you know how to celebrate worship dance sing to God and praise him with your whole heart you just start doing that till we run out all the Pharisees and get us a church full of praising people in here and we can really be who God wants us to be I don't ever want to have to answer this question again that I've had people ask me is it okay if I, really, if I really get my praise on at church, do you know why visitors have asked me that question? Because they look around and they see a bunch of stiff-necked people not giving God anything of value during praise and worship. Don't make visitors think that you can't praise the Lord openly at Abundant Life when we came to praise Him. Four of us did. The rest of y'all on y'all's way into praise or back to Shiloh. That's funny. You praise him. This is a command from the Lord. So the Bible talks a lot about this word praise. And there are levels of growing closer to God. And if you're at all like me or any other saved person in the room, you want to be closer to God than you are. You want to be the child that pleases the Father. You, the Bible says that it's God's purpose to take us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. There is intimacy levels of getting closer to God, and I want to help you get closer to God this morning. Psalm 100 verse 4 tells us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. If I had time, I could show you a diagram of the... Uh, the tabernacle, I can show you the approach of God through the temple. I can show you how you got to come past 
the outer court into the inner court, past the, the bronze labor where you get all washed up, into the holy place, all the way past the veil and into the holiest of holy where the Spirit of God resides. And you'd understand it's a process getting closer to God. There, there's a process that happens. And God tells us that just to even get in the gate, you got to have thanksgiving. You got to be giving thanks. You got to have a mouth that is saying thank you to God. Oh, man, if I had my word meter and I could just put it around your neck, I'd start with Eric and just measure all the words that he said this week. Now, just find out how many times did he say, thank you, God. How many times did he say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, God. And then I just move it and get all the way around to you. Where are you going to measure on that realm? God has already commanded us. If you got breath, you ought to praise him. God has already commanded us to be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, praise ye the Lord. The psalmist said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Now, here, here's what I know about being in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. I already told you church people are crazy. And most of them don't love it when you praise him with your whole heart. Go ahead and start coming. I want you to. I'm almost tempted to pay you to. I want you to start showing up. But if you won't do it for the blood, you won't do it for my money. And if you did it for my money, you wouldn't be doing it for the right reason. I want you just to start showing up, and I want you to put your love on such display before God. I want you. Listen, that, that we've had seasons at our church where, where we ran off everybody because they thought we were too charismatic, ran off of other people because they thought we weren't charismatic enough. I want to see praise dancers on the altar. I want to see different people preaching. I want to see prophetic song and ministry coming forth out of this place. Some of y'all got ministry in you, and you're just sitting there bitter. Life beats you up. All right, I, I, you already heard, should have heard it if you've been in church long enough. You can let that stuff make you bitter. You can let it make you better. It's time for us to get better, church. It's time for us to decide, look, if the rest of these stiff-necked people won't praise him, I will. If the rest of these folk get irritated, listen, I'm tempted to pay you to start irritating people with your praise, but that'd just be fleshly. I don't want you to start irritating. Well, I do want you to start irritating people with your praise, but your motivation ought to be because you love the Lord so much you're tired of shutting up in front of stiff-necked church folk. Praise him, man. If you got praise in you, you start coming, and you're like, man, if nobody else is going to pray, praise him like David praised him. You remember what the kid, you, you remember what Saul's daughter, Saul should never let, let, his, let David marry his daughter if he didn't like it. Uh, anyway, different message for a different crowd. Saul's daughter, David's wife, got all upset. David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of God. And he's celebrating. And he's taking off his kingly attire because it was hotter there than it is in this room, if you can believe that. He, he stripped down to his inner garments, and he's out there dancing with the street folk. His high and mighty, Saul's daughter, royalty. Married the new king. How about there's a message there, isn't there? Gold digger. Dad's out. Who's the king now? Hey, baby. How you doing? She looks down from her lofty view, and she sees David out there leaping and dancing and shouting to God. And she said, how foolish did you look today? What an embarrassment you are to the throne, undignified 
David told her straight up, I'll be even more undignified than this. Because you, your daddy, and nobody else is going to stop me from praising the Lord because he's done more for me than all y'all could ever do for me. What's CC say? Well, y'all need to listen to some CC whinings. You need to get CC whinings on your, on your tape deck. You need to listen to what she said in Alabaster Box when she said, you don't know the cost of my praise. Don't judge somebody else's praise. You don't know. Now, now some of y'all, we don't, I don't see much cost in your praise. Mm. If you agree with it, say amen. If it hurts your feeling, just say ouch. We can keep going. Psalm 135.3 says, praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. When it says praise the Lord, semicolon. Pause on that punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation. That is not a suggestion. That is a command. He, he is not saying if you want to, if you feel good, if, if the temperature's right, if you have no pain. No, he said praise the Lord, not because your bills are paid, not because you feel fine and dandy like hard rock candy, not because everything's going your way. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. I finally just stopped doing it because it, it, it becomes so cliche. We did it. We were part of that whole movement. In, in, in the 90s, every, every church in America that believed in, in the Spirit of God uh, was, was starting every service or saying it five times during service, uh, God is good and all the time. Some of y'all been in church a long time. I started looking at these people saying that with frowns on their face. I'm like, well, we ain't going to insult them that way. We ain't going to insult them that way. I mean, I, I wonder how some people get the words out of their mouth. Listen. You don't praise the Lord because you're having a good day. You shouldn't. You shouldn't praise the Lord because everything's going your way. You should praise the Lord because the Lord is good. And guess what? He's not going to stop being good. He's not going to stop being good today, tomorrow, or forever. So there's never going to be a day where you're like, well, you know, the Bible says praise him because he's good. And hmm. No, he's always good. And you need to get that in your mind. You need to get it in your mind that God is good. That it's not about it's it's not about the current climate of our country. It's not about the narrative. It's not about the the bad news or what people have done to you. Our praise should be based solely on the fact that God is good. In Psalm twenty two three, the Bible says, "But thou art holy." Oh, that inhabitants the praises of Israel. Now, this is where we get the, the biblical concept that God inhabits the praises of his people. I don't have time to preach it to you because I'm already over time now. Uh, thank God we're not bound to a clock. Amen. If you got to go, go. But we, we're, here to, we're here to honor God. And the, the teaching that God inhabits the praises of his people shows that when God's people begin to praise him, it's just like the hymns say, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Some people have no blessing coming down because they got no praises going up. And I believe there's a couple of different reasons why people don't praise the Lord. One, they don't want to. Two, they don't know how to. And I don't know what group you're in today, but we're going to identify you today and we're going to send you out of here. And you're going to get to see for yourself who you are because if I went around this room right now now some of y'all been around me long enough you, you know the right answer but if I went around this room right now and I just started in the back with Deacon Mike and I worked all my way up to the front Eric and I said okay tell me 
first, we'd have to answer the question. Let's answer this question. Do you believe God wants you to praise him? All the say people said yes. All the bitter people looking at the clock just stared at me. If I came to you and I said, you believe God wants you to praise him, the right answer would be yes. And then my follow-up question would be, how do you personally praise him in your home, on your job? How do you do it? And the num- I've been asking people this question for 40 years. And some of y'all know, the number one answer I get when I ask people, well, how do you praise him specifically? How- what is it that you do? Because praise is a verb. It's an action word. What is it that you do? How do you praise him? So, some abundant life, long- long-term person. T- tell me, what-, what do folk tell me? In my heart. Well, I praise him in my heart. I- oh, that's so cute. And vague and uncheckable and unbiblical. You can't do a verb in your heart. I already told y'all before, I'm going to tell you again because you need to understand it. If I told you, if you told me uh, that you liked lifting weights, if, if I walked up on uh, Deacon Dixon and Elder Keon and they're two strong built muscle, muscle guys in the gym all the time, and they're just talking about lifting weights and being in the gym, and I walked up all 220 uh, pounds. Man, me and this guy, we're same height and same weight. Are you at 220 yet? Yeah, I was too. We've we just been the same weight for 15 years. We, we lose weight and gain weight together. Um, but if I walked up to you all five foot nine and a half, 220 pounds around and cuddly, and, and, and they're, they're Swole dudes, look at him coming in the door. Hide them muscles, boy. I'm tired of looking at them. He walked right, look, he walked right past Deacon Dixon and they gave each other a fist bump and he didn't even hear the setup. But if I walked up and Deacon Dixon and Elder Keon were talking about hitting the gym and working out hard, and I just walked up and I said, Oh, the gym. What? I love me the gym. Working out who? Yeah. I'm about that life. And then if they'd have to look at me and be like, oh, Pastor, I didn't know you like working out. Oh, well, yeah, what? Yeah, that, that, man, that's what I do. It's who I am. My life. Like, oh, well, uh, when, do, do you like free weights or do, do you like to work on machines? You do a lot of Nautilus, you do a lot of steel. Well, and then I look at them like, oh, oh, you mean like touching heavy things? Like sweating? I'm hot standing still. What are you talking about, like me exerting energy? They're like, yeah, yeah, you said you like working out. Oh, no, I work out in my heart. There's, there's medicine for that kind of stupid. They would know he don't work out in his heart. You can't work out in your heart. You got to get in there and put your hands on some steel. Working out is a verb or, or fishing. If I walked up, uh, the rumor is that Melvin, you like to do a little fishing. If I walked up on Melvin and Melvin was talking about, and I'm like, oh, Melvin, we never been, man, fishing. I love fishing. I'm, I'm about that life. I, I'm fishing all my whole life. I'm dedicated to it. Sold out to fishing. That's what I, and Melvin's like, really? Where's your favorite hole? You, know, you like freshwater, saltwater? What, what you fish? What, what you, and I'm like, oh, you mean like actually sitting outside in the heat? I told you, I sweat standing still. You talking about like going outside uh, and, and getting around some water and, and putting, uh, you know, 
oh, no, I don't do all that. Uh-uh. Uh, he'd be like, what are you talking about? You said you love fishing. Oh, I do love fishing. Well, where do you go fishing? Well, I fish in my heart. <laughs> are you seeing how stupid that sounds yet? All you, I praise him in my heart, people. Well, praise is a verb. So I'm going to give you some verbs out of the Bible real quick and get you out of here. I'm going to give you seven Old Testament Hebrew words for praise so you can know that it's not something you do. You can worship God in your heart. You can pray to God, commune with God in your heart. But when it comes to praise, praise is an outward verb that has to be done. Uh, Number one Greek word for praise is zamar. And I wrote these down and put them on my notes so you can see them. When many times in the Bible where it says praise the Lord, it is this Hebrew word zamar. There are churches called Zamar Praise Tabernacle. And that, that's a biblical word for praise. Zamar is translated, see, in our Bible, it's in English. And every time we see the word praise, it, it's not always the same Hebrew word. There's seven different Hebrew words that we always get this one English word for praise so people don't know how to praise God. If they wrote these definitions out every time, the Bible would be five times bigger. And you ain't read the one we got now, so different message for a different crowd. It's praise. What does praise mean? Read it. Celebrate in song and music. This is not just something churchy. This is something you should be doing all the time. I've told you. If you sing to God more in this place than out of this place, your life is unbalanced. You got to zamar God. That means to celebrate in song. Well, I'm not a music person. God didn't ask you about your personality. You don't get a hall pass from zamar because that's not your strong point. You got to celebrate. Now, if I walked around with a camera filming you during the song and the music, would the look on your face say celebration? I mean, what I think, they should have put her in the cool in the gang video. Y'all don't remember cool in the gang. Chris Leggett. We were all skipping school at Chris Leggett's house in Country Creek one day, and homecoming dance was coming up and Brian Cole and a bunch of other people were over there we were all skipping school at Chris Leggett's house and his sis- his younger sister his 12 year old sister had just taught him how to dance to the song celebrate so he he, he told everybody just do this <laughs> oh no he didn't tell you to do that but he he was just back and forth and what does the look on your face Say, that that song, Celebrate Good Times. Come on, y'all don't remember it? Never mind. There you go. Let's celebrate. Hey. I should start filming you during the song and the music to see if you're celebrating. And he just hands you a card that says, non-praiser. Next word. You got to find one of these and do it. You're commanded to do all seven of these. You got to find one and do it. Next word, barak, which means to kneel and to bless God as an act of adoration by kneeling. Now, there's a kneeling that is worship, but there's a kneeling that is praise. And it all depends on where you're at at the time. And if you don't regularly kneel to God, then you are not keeping God's command to praise Him. Third Hebrew word we're looking at, yada. And it comes from the Hebrew word yad, which is the open hand. And it means to hold out. The open hand, or to revere with extended hands. 
Now, there's a lot of people that don't understand why we lift our hands to the Lord. And so they don't because they're not sure what it means and what it's all about. And what I know about those people, they were not raised by my mama. Because my mama had one answer for everything. What did mama say? Because I said so. If, if my mom says, boy, hold your hand out. Uh, uh, extend, your, extend your hands up. Why? Do I have to know why? No. She's in charge. I do it because she said. That's a lot of reasons we hold our hands up to God. Number one, because he said to. Ancient theologians would, would say it's an image of empty-handedness uh, where, where we get the, the expression, nothing uh, to the Lord I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I have nothing to give you, God. My hands are empty, but I love you. It, it, it's, it's a sign of peace. I hold no weapon. It's a sign of humility. I need you. It's a reaching up. There's lots of different reasons why. But your number one reason ought to be because God, you shouldn't have to understand the inner workings of electricity to turn the switch on. You shouldn't have to have a degree in uh, combustion engines to crank your car. So Somebody told you, push that little button right there, turn that key, and it'll crank. You just do it because that's how it works. God said, lift your hands to him. You need to start lifting your hands to him because he said so. Fourth Hebrew word, Shabbat. Now, this comes easier to me than it probably comes to you because I like to be loud. <laughs> My house is loud. My car is loud. We just, we'll just scream in my house for no apparent reason. I know the neighborhood thinks we got Tourette's. We would just scream uh, just, just to get it out. We're just, we, we just all boy home and it's loud. Um, but whether your personality is loud or Quiet, God commands you to be loud, to address in a loud tone, shout unto God. Well, I don't think it takes all that. I'm a little more sophisticated than that. I was raised with dignity, decorum, dumbness. Anything starts with a D. It doesn't matter if you're quiet by nature. It doesn't matter if you're loud by nature. Listen, loud folk take advantage of this. Get your shout on. Get, get, be loud when, when you shout. Could you imagine? Now, some of y'all do this because you're not real fans. If you're a real fan and you go to a game, we just saw this. Seth and I uh, were in Orlando uh, watching the Phoenix Suns this week play the Orlando Magic. And it's limited seating because of the COVID restriction. And the crowd was smaller, way smaller than normal. Didn't stop us from standing up and screaming, acting like fools. What you're supposed to do when you go to a sporting event. Some of the people just sat through the whole game like this. Nerd. Don't cheer. Don't get excited. I'm telling you what. Aaron Gordon cocked the ball back to here, took off from the free throw, and just got his elbow all in it. Came up out of my seat screaming. Why? Because that's praise. You, you see greatness, you're supposed to respond to it. And you need to learn how to shout unto, what's the Bible say? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God. With, when it says shout unto God with a voice of praise, it's saying Shabbat, God. You, you see it. If your kid scored the winning touchdown, you, you just wouldn't sit there and say, well, okay. <laughs> That's my boy. That's my boy. Let me go. Let me get through with this because the next one goes to a whole nother level. Hallel. And more times than any other Hebrew word, when our English word says praise, it is almost always this word, Hallel. 
But it's so next level, most people never get to it. It means, and it's right out of the Hebrew dictionary, to shine forth, to celebrate, to act foolishly, to boast about, to lose your mind in celebration, to rave. See, these, these, these ragers, these rave party people, they, they, that's the devil's imitation of what church should look like. Mm. We might talk about that in an upcoming sermon. But to celebrate, to act foolishly, to boast about, to lose your mind in celebration. Listen, the ones who love what's going on do this. The ones who don't love it sit there with frowns on their faces. I remember, I don't know how many of y'all remember, the, the Florida-Georgia game. It, it, was, it was the now infamous run, Lindsey, run. Florida had the game won. And then that receiver from Georgia streaking down the sideline to score the last second touchdown to put us in Loserville. Everybody that was a Bulldog fan was standing in the Gator Bowl, and guess what they were doing? They were celebrating. They were acting foolish. They were losing their mind, just screaming, high-fiving strangers, kissing people they didn't even know, just yelling any kind of, just excited. Now, here's what I want you to think. I already know the answer. If I know you, I know the answer because I look at you every week. When is the last time you gave Hallel praise to God? Okay, now let me ask a more relevant question for this crowd. Since you never have, are you willing to obey God? Well, I just like to keep my dignity. No. When, when, when you love what you see, when you know who you're celebrating, man, it doesn't take anything. Some of y'all, I was never a Chicago Bulls fan, but, man, I always wish Boston had a cool entrance like the Bulls had. How many of y'all remember the Bulls from the 80s? And now your world champion, Chicago Bulls. Dark in the room, music going, laser lights flashing, people up screaming. Ah! All the non-fans in the room thinking, Michael Jordan. See, the people who love what's being celebrated don't mind. Let me just put the hay down where the ghost can get it. People don't mind acting a fool. I'm not about to go through all that. I don't think it takes all that. I come and I give my money, don't I? Hey, you come. Let me get through this. Number six, Tehillah. Now, Tehillah is a cool word because it's a conflation of two different Hebrew words. And it, 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 it's got Hallel in there. But it's Hallel during a song. When are you going? Because I could ask you, when's the last time you did it? But I know this crowd, so let me ask a more relevant question. Are you ever going to do it? Are you ever going to give God some praise? Are you ever going to? Not your praise him in my heart, Pastor. I always praise him. No, that's not praise. That's church. Tehillah, Hebrew word for praise. Praise him in song. Man, I, I want somebody to just start just going in. Worship God. Praise God like, like you ought to. Amen. I want to see it. 
I want to see it on display. I want people coming. I don't care. You, you, you throw streamers in this place. You get up on the front, dance, shout, uh, keep it holy. Hallelujah. Don't make me call you down. Uh, <laughs> but give him some real praise. Seventh one, and I'm done. I'm not even going to get to my next list of, of, of Greek words. Maybe we'll save that for uh, Wednesday night. Seventh word in Hebrew, these are the Old Testament words. Wednesday night we'll go over the New Testament words for praise is tauda. And it, it's another conflated word, two different Greek, uh, Hebrew words coming together. It, it comes from yada, and here, here's what it is. And this is, this is what God told us to give him, give him praise. Come on, Judy. The extension of hands by a group while singing. See, he already told us to yada him, which is praise. But he also tells us to tauda him, which is to do it in a group. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all act like y'all wouldn't raise y'all's hands if a mugger said, put your hands up. Mm, no, nah, not me. I'm Methodist. <laughs> Raising my hands in no church. You got me wrong. You must think one of them charismatics. No, I just want you to obey God. Just do what he told you to do. You would be shocked at how much God wants to bless you. You would be stunned. Jesus already told us it is the Father's good pleasure to give you everything. The whole kingdom. If you just do, it's like every good parent. Hey, y'all know, y'all know. Uh, don't you just want them to act right long enough to where you can be nice to them and not be on them all the time? That's every, that's every parent in the world. You're just, you just like, oh, man, if y'all just give me a reason to be nice to you. Don't make me the warden all the time. Don't make me the heavy all the time. Just give me a reason to bless you. I want to do something nice for you. God is our Father. He's sitting up in heaven. He wants to bless you. What, would you just give him a reason? Bless him. Praise him. Do what he says. You ought to know he's worthy. And you ought to want to praise him. If you can't, something's wrong. God showed me this image one time. I am a picture of praise and of non-praise at every Atlanta Braves game I go to. When they bring the Braves out on the field, when the Braves are or at bat, when they do something good in the field or at the plate, I'm on my feet, I'm screaming, I'm hollering, I'm raving, I'm acting a fool. I am celebrating my team. Heavy. That's a picture of praise. I'm also a picture of non-praise. Joey Votto, we were winning. Top of the ninth. We were going to get one more at bat, but I wasn't feeling good about it. Joey Votto comes to the bat. Reds. Crushes one, two-run shot. Now we're losing. I was a complete picture of non-praise at that point. What? And in every church, during every service, there's a picture of praising and non-praising. And I wonder which one you are. And I want you to own it. I want you to take accountability and be responsible for your own praise. It has nothing to do with what the people around you are doing. Stop blaming, well, I'm, I'm just trying to fit in. I ain't worried about fitting in. 
We were in Orlando cheering for the Phoenix Suns, wearing Suns gear, unashamed, came to cheer for our team. His team, not mine. But here's the point. I can only get so excited for certain teams. Uh, Elder Jimmy goes see the Chicago Cubs play every year. Goes up there, acts like a fool, screams and hollers for the Cubs. If I was sitting next to him, and, and the Cubs are playing some other meaningless team like the Cubs, you know, the Brewers, some other know-nothing team, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, Devil Rays, whatever. If, if, he'd be just all, I'd just be sitting there thinking, not as nice as SunTrust Park. Atlanta's got a better stadium and a better team. Won our division three years in a row. Let's don't get going now. Um, and But he'd be more excited than I would. Why? Because he loves that team and I don't. And that's why some people get excited for the Lord and others don't. Because you really only can cheer what you love for. I, I love baseball. I'd enjoy the game watching the you know, Cubs get beat by the Brewers. Or the other way around. wouldn't make a difference. But I wouldn't be screaming and hollering and acting a fool. But if Atlanta's on the field, that's a different story because I love them on a different level. And your love is on display when it's time to praise God. How excited can you get for the Lord? Is it natural to you or do you have to force yourself into it? See, if you're here and you're not saved, you, you, you can praise him, but it, it's awkward. It's forced. It's pushed. If you're saved, it ought to flow out of you like water. See, there's two types of people who really don't spend time praising God. Those who don't know Him. Those who don't know Him close enough. And I want you to know Him. He made us a promise that if we'd call on His name, He would save us. And some of you have walked aisles and prayed prayers and called on His name and it didn't really save you. And you, you, it should make you wonder, well, what happened? Because I walked an aisle when I was in the third grade, prayed a prayer. Stood up in front of the church, made a confession. Got baptized. It wasn't real salvation. Years later, when I got really saved, it was real salvation. Well, what, what was the difference? Well, God told us in Jeremiah that you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Are you searching for him with your whole heart? If you're not, don't be surprised that he's not there all the time. Don't be surprised he's not showing up all the time. I want you if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to get saved today. Call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I could give an invitation right now, and, I, and, and people emotionally could, could be drugged down this aisle to pray a prayer uh, and, and make a confession. Listen, you don't have to do that in front of everybody. God can hear the thoughts in your mind. He said he hears what's in your head. If you're here and you're not saved, I want you to ask God to save you right now. And if you ask God to save you right now, I want you to share it with somebody. Because Jesus said, if you confess me before people, he'll confess you before God. But if you're here and you are saved, I want you to make a determination that says, it's time. What's our theme for 2021? It's time. It's time for some of you to start praising him again like you used to. Some of you came out of praise. And now you've settled back down into sophistication. It's time for you to start leading in praise again.
Be a demonstration of how to love God openly. Some of you never have, but it's time for you too to start being that person. You can't get close to God without praise. And I want us to be close to God. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for tearing the veil and allowing us access into your holiest place. Father, I pray that you would let us draw closer to you as you draw closer to us. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for every unsaved person in this room that today you would draw them by your spirit. Pour out your love on them, God, and let your goodness lead them to repentance. God, for every true Christian in the room, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for not honoring you the way we should. Forgive us for not praising you. Forgive us for not being radical enough in our love for you. Let our love for you be on such display that everyone knows you are the living God. Thank you for living inside us, God. I pray that you would be glorified in this church, in the life of this church, and the people who come here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.